What's going on, Maximal Beings? Doc Mock here. Before we begin, I just wanted to say thanks to all of you that are supporting the podcast. If you haven't done so already, leave us a comment and hit the subscribe button. Let your friends and family know. That way we can get the word out and continue to bash the bro science. And now, on to our show. Welcome to Maximal Being, a GI doc and ICU nurse that break down the science so you can exceed your gut health, nutrition, and fitness goals. So, let's smash the bro science and optimizing your health with your hosts, Doc Mock and R.N. Graham. I'm Maximal Being's Doc Mock here with the Maximal Being Podcast. I'm joined today by two talented members in the fitness and nutrition world. GI Jeff is down below down in Scranton and across the way here in Ohio, Dexy. What if I told you that investing five minutes of time every day into your wellness would have payoffs that would last a lifetime? What I'm talking about is the often unappreciated and forgotten mobility training. We've alluded to this in our prior adventure with GI Jeff down below, um, but now we're going to delve a little bit deeper into the topic. Without further ado, I'm Doc Mock. I am your host. G, uh, GI Jeff is with me as is Dex C. I'm an advanced GI doctor practicing out of Cleveland, Ohio. That's a, a doctor that specializes mostly in cancer, but I also do a lot with fitness and nutrition and gut health in particular. So with me in Ohio is Dex Z. Hey, all you maximal beings. Uh, glad to be here again on uh, this wonderful podcast. And thanks, Doc Mock, for having me. G.I. Jeff, nice to be with you, too. And um, uh, just a little bit about myself uh, here in Cleveland, Ohio. I practice anesthesia as an anesthetist uh, at a community hospital. Um, one of my true passions has always been health and fitness. And glad to be part of this effort to get the word out. Uh, Doc Mock and I work together. Um, it's a pleasure to be on here and uh, share some ideas. I'm super excited about today's podcast in particular. I'm a big believer in uh, a little goes a long way. So we'll have a lot to say about that today. A little bit about myself. Um, I, I believe it's important just to take it in small bits and practice what you preach the best you, best you can. I'm learning as all of you are. and It's great to share in a community where we can all learn together, um, constantly trying to improve every day. And that's what this is all about. Is it yeah, my yeah. turn? Yep. <laughs> Hi, guys. GI Jeff, uh, Jeff Costanzo. I'm also a GI doctor. I met Doc Mock in training many years ago. I am a private practice GI doctor working primarily in Northeast Pennsylvania. I am avidly um, in, sort of enthusiastic about fitness and nutrition for multiple reasons. Uh, I do have a personal diagnosis of type 1 diabetes for over 30 years, so that's part of the reason why I try to stay so fit uh, and really dedicate a lot of my free time, sometimes more than my wife would care to hear, but that's still priorities, I suppose. So, um, you know, I did get an L1 certification in CrossFit. I do uh, spend the majority of my time in fitness um, CrossFit style workouts and so forth. Uh, obviously, we'll, t we'll talk about a lot of supplementing accessory work today. I, I enjoy do that and I, and I feel strongly about it. So again, um, you know, like what Dex was saying, practice what I preach. Not only do I talk about gut health and diet uh, and proper nutrition to my patients, I live it as a person who is enthusiastic about fitness and as a person who's lived with a chronic disease for over three decades. So I'm excited to be here talking to you guys about the topic today. 
So uh, today, today's topic is mobility training, um, and we're going to flex our mobility muscles, no pun intended, um, today. Many of us, when we used to go to the gym or when we are going to the gym, have walked by that guy or girl that is, is fit and has huge arms but can barely bend them past the point of 90 degrees. The point of this, you know, with our combined ages here, probably greater than 100 years, is to, um, to keep you fit for the long term. And I think uh, the key to success is mobility training. Just before we dive into the actual topic and the nuances, I thought it would be useful for us to just outline a little bit of anatomy regarding your musculature. So your muscles are lined with this lining. It's kind of a spider web-like lining called the fascia. And that fascia helps your, your muscles uh, deliver nerves as well as blood vessels um, you know, to the tissues. And that helps your muscles get bigger and stronger. Over time, these fascial linings can form little pieces of scar tissue uh, within them. And that can block the flow of blood and also pinch some of those nerves, which can cause pain and discomfort and interfere with your goals. And so mobility training hopes to kind of keep that lubrication, break up those scar tissues, and keep you lean and mean. So I'm going to uh, bring it down to, to uh, GI Jeff first. Um, how did your pathway to uh, fitness bring you to mobility training? Mean, it's not a sexy topic in the gym, but you know what? What made you start on your journey towards mobility? You know, as is usually the case, the things that are important are rarely sexy to talk about. So I didn't start doing. I, I sort of did the kind of traditional meathead bro workouts through my uh, medicine residency, in medical school, and I got really into fitness towards the end of my residency, which was when I was in my early 30s. And initially, it was just pure enthusiasm for the sport of CrossFit and just sort of the way that it made me feel and sort of the, the overall feeling of fitness that I had previously not really experienced. Shortly thereafter, I noticed that aches and pains were happening in my body, whereas they really hadn't been. And I gradually, and this is over the span of years, started to sort of shift focus away from, say, trying to add a couple of extra pounds onto a lift to the overarching theme is longevity. So I thought to myself, what can I continue to do to allow me to do this level of fitness for as long as I possibly can? So that's when the priority sort of shifted internally, and I started to focus a little bit more on mobility work. And you can do that in a number of ways. I'm assuming we're going to talk about that. Uh, sort of throughout this podcast today. But it's essentially something that I came to gradually once I realized that to achieve that level of fitness and that persistent intensity really does require a lot of accessory work, not only to avoid injury, but to allow you to do it for a long period of time. And see, what about you? I mean, you know, you, you've been a hit kind of grandmaster for a while. Hit does not involve lifting heavy. Do you think lifting light and working on that accessory work has helped you to improve your, you know, muscle longevity? Yeah, so that's a great question, Doc Mack, and I, and uh, G.I. Jeff, I love the way you explained that. Um, you know, it's, uh, for me, uh, along my journey, you know, and I, I started similar to what uh, G.I. Jeff kind of explained, um, and kudos to you, uh, you know, dealing with type 1 diabetes, that's fantastic what you're doing. Uh, it should be a big inspiration to everybody listening. Um, you know, in my 20s, I, I did the same thing, just like you talked about, um, worked out hard, didn't care about warm up, cool down, you know, didn't 
you know, really respect, you know, what it means to have healthy fascia. You know, like you said, it's not a something a 20-year-old or 30-year-old even, look, you know, thinks about until they have a first major injury. Um, I played competitive sports in college. You know, I, played, I was a varsity athlete. I love sports my whole life. And, you know, health and wellness have been a huge thing for me. Even in my 20s, it started as a passion. But in my 30s, I sustained a pretty bad back injury. And it actually came from working out. Um, it was during hit training um, with weights and uh, two herniated discs. Make a long story short, I respect fascia because of that injury. Um, it changed my life completely. Um, I wasn't a surgical candidate, thank God, which is kind of amazing because I thought for sure I'd need surgery. Um, uh, I now in my routines completely changed the way I approach working out. And like Doc Mock said, you know, I'm a avid enthusiast of HIT training uh, and I love the science behind it. Uh, we can nerd out on that stuff, you know, and some of these podcasts provide you guys with some great information. Hopefully that'll help you get into it safely. Um, and when I say safely, it's a big deal with HIT. It's intense. It, um, you know, it's something you can't do every day. The recovery becomes hugely important um, and warm up and cool down is essential. And I tell um, and all of my you know, friends even that asked me for advice. And I know for some of the um, programs we've created with Doc Mock, you know, I, I tell all the clients, it's a very important part of your training. Um, you have to respect the fact that uh, the body as a machine functions as a unit with all the systems interacting and fascia is just as important as everything else. Um, one way we can explain that, I think, for our listeners who really don't want, you know, a lot of, um, you know, crazy detail about science is you have plantar fasciitis. It can involve, you know, a back injury, you know, soon down the line, it'll be an alarm signal. So your body is warning you when you are injuring, you know, these, you know, fibrous membranous tissues, the fascia that encase everything, like Doc Mock said, from our blood vessels to our nerves, to our muscle. And that's what we care about. Um, how do we prevent those injuries, you know? Um, we're going to get into that, I assume, in just a bit in, in these podcasts. But these warm-up uh, sessions, we'll talk about these methods that we can use um, that are, I believe, you know, for longevity's sake, like G.I. Jeff said, I mean, this is huge. And if you're in your 20s and listen to this or in your 30s and you think you're invincible and bulletproof, believe me, I'm probably, I might be the oldest one in this podcast. I hate to say that, by the way. Um, <laughs> sure but, uh, I'll tell you what, G.I. Uh, <laughs> Jeff nailed it. it. You're in this for, this is a long game. And um, this journey that you're on is wonderful. You want to keep it going as long as you can. It will provide you with an enormous gift if you put into it, you know, the work that it requires, you know, and, and really knowledge is everything. And I hope we're, you know, really driving this home today with this podcast. It, it'll be some great info for you guys. So this is great that you're with us. Yeah. So uh, unpacking injuries a little bit. So I figured we could start with the worst case scenario, which is when you hurt yourself and then backtrack to, you know, preventing injury and what you can do to, to enhance your performance, even with mobility training. The conventional knowledge that all of us learned when we were in training was rice, right? Which is rest, ice, compression, and elevation. And this is usually has to do with a, some sort of extremity. This was popularized by a Dr. Mirkin. And Dr. Mirkin um, preached this for years. Um, and this is, again, what they taught in all healthcare training. Um, interestingly enough, 
back in uh, in the 2000s, Dr. Mirkin kind of redacted his position statement on this kind of gospel with the rice regimen. And he said that ice may not be the way to go. What does icing do to your pain response and your healing mechanism? Do we, do we need to feel pain to heal from an injury? GI Jeff. I think it's important to make the distinction between soreness and pain. So pain often reflects a true injury where soreness can, it can reflect overuse over training or just simply the end result of a good hard workout. Importantly, that, that soreness is increased blood flow and sort of an, an inflammatory response to heal and to, to sort of continue that process of muscle growth, strenuous, you know, kind of uh, taxing those muscles during the workout and then healing and recovery. So I kind of want to parlay this a little bit to your answer. When we talk about what icing does, although icing may help temporarily numb the area, what you're doing is you're compromising blood flow to that area. And with that compromise in blood flow comes a reduction in the actual inflammatory response and thereby the healing process. So when it comes to recovery, I really think that's sort of the main reason why. It's a sort of a blood flow mediated um, issue that is temperature driven by the cold. The, the, I don't want to get too far off topic, but similarly, when we talk about recovery, one of the things that I try to suggest to people when it comes to on either side of exercise is to avoid taking non-steroidal anti-inflammatory drugs like Advil, Aleve, Motrin. Now, obviously, Schaefer, the Doc Mock, as a GI doctor, you oh, see the boy. side effects of those medications just as much as I do. But the point is this. Those medications block an enzyme that ultimately will decrease blood flow relative to the area. So for two specific reasons, that's a bad idea when it comes to sort of post-workout recovery. Number one is that the part of the blood flow that gets compromised is to your kidneys. So if your kidneys are dehydrated and taxed because of sweating during a workout, you further compromise them. The second thing is these muscles are starved for increased blood flow to heal after the result of the workout. And if you block that with a drug, you are again sort of preventing that process from happening normally. So soreness is okay. That means you did a job. Pain is a different story, which reflects injury. And that's kind of a different discussion. So that is sort of the underlying issue between why he redacted. I like that word you use. I don't know if you've been watching sort of spy dramas or whatever, but that's a <laughs> kind of FBI government word. Um, I think that's part of the main reason why um, he decided to sort of dial back that recommendation for the ice part. Thoughts? Lexi, what do you yeah. think? Yeah, um, I, I think it's wonderful what you said about uh, inflammation and uh, the body's um, you know natural process of healing itself, especially with increased blood flow. And you don't want to do you know anything to compromise that in, in that first phase of healing, especially. Um, obviously, in my job as an anesthetist, I deal with pain every day and the pain response. Um, I think you, the distinction is paramount. You have to know that soreness is okay after you work out, especially after a good workout. The difference is if you have pain in a joint and there is a specific type of pain and your body sends you great signals, you have to listen to it. And I think, you know, being in this game for the long haul, people have been doing this for a long time. And for those of you listening to the podcast who have not been doing it for a long time, even 
um, you will get a sense for what real pain means and what soreness is after, you know, you've done these workouts a few times, even, you know, they, it's an important distinction. Absolutely. Um, taking anti-inflammatories, it's definitely something you want to be well aware of, you know, what the consequences are. You know, I totally agree with GI Jeff's stance. I, I think acetaminophen is okay. Analgesic control is an important part of healing. Absolutely. Um, and actually, um, we talked about rice. There's, um, you know, the new trend is meat, you know, movement, exercise, you know, analgesia, and then therapy. And I think a lot of people are turning to that, especially a lot of the elite athletes, because of the fact that um, that movement in the first stage, even when you're having pain, you know, obviously that movement has to be within the realm of tolerance of that injury. And if you had, you know, adequate time to kind of get through the first part of recovery, when you add that movement, you know, under the care of someone who knows how to, you know, implement a plan for you, you know, whether it be a physical therapist, somebody who's knowledgeable about meat or, you know, the plan of developing for you. But I think that um, that movement is critical and, and light exercise, even early on, um, you know, not pushing yourself past the limits of the injury. Definitely. You don't want to, you know, set yourself back. And these can be tough questions to answer. You know, I've dealt with a lot of injuries. I'm sure the two of you have as well, you know, working out as long as you have been, it's a part of moving your body and getting through those full ranges of motion, even on days when maybe aren't optimal days, we're all human. There are days when you don't sleep well, you have a tough day at work and you still go to kill it at that workout. And then you walk away feeling like, oh man, I think I did something to my knee or I did something. These are things we deal with. And um, I used to ice my injuries. I never do it anymore. Um, I, I'll tell you what, I'm a big believer that this stuff works. Um, you know, avoiding ice, I think is, is definitely huge. My injuries definitely heal quicker. Um, mm. I, I feel like, you know, the other things we'll talk about in this podcast, I don't want to give too much, you know, away, but it's like, you know, if you do the proper things to prevent injury, and we'll talk about this, um, then I think, you know, you're going a long ways to, you know, really dealing with, you know, the beginnings of, you know, how to work out properly. You know, it's, it's a long process. You really kind of have to know what you're doing and we really want to help you with that. So glad to be here doing this today, but yeah, Jeff, Jeff nice job with that. I, I totally agree with what you said. Absolutely. Yeah. You're, you're both spot on with your, the impact of these, you know, kind of classic interventions and, and the way that things are moving presently, unless you're somebody that's say competing in the Olympics and you have a downhill ski race in the morning and then another one in the afternoon there's really no need to do any sort of temperature-based therapy because you really don't need to perform you have adequate time to recover and let your body recover um, there are some interventions that do work for um, injuries you know we talked about physical therapy that's the obvious one but yoga and aquatic therapy actually have really good evidence for improving pain scores completely independent of the use of any sort of other interventions so those things are great I know that GI Jeff is a strong advocate for yoga. Can can real men do yoga? I mean, or or <laughs> yep, yeah, that's right. And and just for the listeners out there, GI Jeff is is tatted up. He's buff and he, he does yoga. I do yoga, okay. not quite as buff. <laughs> I do too. Uh, Love yeah, it. <laughs> and Dexy does too. <laughs> Jeff, tell us about um, the role of of yoga in dealing with injury and then also preventing injury. I, I feel strongly about this, um, and this is something that even in the last probably two years or so, I've really started to do with increased frequency. So you can look at it through a couple of lenses. I think one, if you if you do it for the sake of mobility and recovery, 
it's helpful. If you do it for a different reason completely, say for example, to alleviate lower back pain and improve functionality, it's still helpful. I think classically, you have this sort of mindset that, well, you know, I can't fold myself in half and I don't have 90 minutes to spare to do a yoga routine, therefore not worth it. What I'll tell you is that you do a search on YouTube and you can find a 15 minute yoga video that's pretty straightforward and does not require a lot of advanced knowledge, advanced balancing technique. You can even kind of focus, for example, my wife who's pregnant does prenatal yoga routines. They're 15, 20 minutes long. So the whole idea is that you try to kind of, you, what do they say? You like you time movement to breath and you kind of focus in on one movement at a time. And, you know, personally speaking, when I would do CrossFit workouts that had sort of high volume Olympic weightlifting with a barbell, I would always get posterior chain tightness in my lower back, my upper glutes. I just don't get that anymore with yoga. Now during quarantine, in fairness, I was doing yoga about five times a week. That's now down to about two but still I'll kind of go into one of my spare rooms and I'll close the door and I'll just take 20, 30 minutes and I go through a yoga routine and I feel absolutely fantastic afterwards. I think the evidence is pretty clear, but I think the important thing is this. You don't have to put an hour a day into it. You don't have to previously be highly flexible to gain benefit from these routines. You can modify them and scale them just as you can any workout in the gym. And I really feel, I really feel strongly about this, that this is something that I'm going to continue to do for as long as I can, because my back feels better in the middle of a workout than it ever has. I am, it must be sort of structurally how I'm built, my musculoskeletal system. I'm a terrible runner. I notoriously had gotten this awful low back cramping and tightness when I run after a certain distance. I can tell you that this year, every Memorial Day is a very famous day for CrossFit. We do a workout called Murph. That is, while wearing a 20-pound weight vest, you run a mile, you do 100 pull-ups, 200 push-ups, 300 squats, and then you run another mile. Uh, it's a long workout, and that workout notoriously just killed my lower back. This year, for the first year ever, I had no problems whatsoever, no pain, and I also finished it quicker than I had ever before in the last nine or 10 years, and I am convinced it's because of the yoga thing. So. I'm a big fan. Look into it. Don't feel like you have to dedicate an hour a day for it. Just try it. I think you're going to like how you feel afterwards. Lexi, what do you think? Love it, G.I. Jeff. I, I feel your excitement. I'm watching you talk about it, and I, I'm a huge believer. I have to tell you, yeah. personal experience-wise, I had two herniated discs, and um, I know that uh, you know people go through injuries when they when they work out. I will tell you, it changed me a hundred percent for sure. I, um, I went through, um, you know, major back injury in my thirties. And I'll tell you, uh, when I went, he's a good friend of mine. Um, he's an orthopedic surgeon. He specializes in backs. I went to go see him and he put his hand on my shoulder. He looked at after looking at MRI and he said, I'm not doing surgery on you. And I said, really? And he said, you're going to go home. You're going to do yoga. And you're going to do it for the rest of your life and you will never have this happen again. And I'm like, wow, I thank him to this day. That was when everything changed for me. I, I'm telling you, I, I listened to your story about Murph. Wow, that's a light workout, let me tell you. <laughs> yeah, it's a long day. <laughs> well, um, how was your Murph time this year, G.I. Jeff? I, I notoriously am around the 55-minute mark and I, I made it in 49. 
this, wow. uh, this yeah that's, that's impressive. That, that was not partitioned and furthermore it was actually alone in my garage i had a facetime workout with some of my friends who were doing it at the same time so you don't have that kind of like external motivation from other people right near you yeah but yeah it was a it was a good good year for me a pr a murph pr that's amazing yeah <laughs> So um, getting away a little bit from yoga, you know, one of the things that yoga I think also does is it strengthens a lot of muscles that perhaps you wouldn't be working or stressing in, in other ways. And we alluded to this a little bit at the beginning of the podcast, but supporting exercises. So, you know, GI Jeff, when you're approaching one of the people that you train with, um, you know, obviously you have these core workouts that you do, right? Do, doing a squat, doing a bench press. How do you define the supporting exercises and how do you walk them through conceptualizing that process of the supporting exercises? That kind of ties a little bit more in the compound movements and things like that. But we talk, I think what I, how I'm hearing your question a little bit, maybe I misinterpreted it, is sort of um, ancillary work that's sort of specified to the exercise that you're going to do. So for example, if you're squatting heavy that day, what do you do to kind of get yourself ready to sort of do that high, high load? heavyweight back squat. So I think that, you know, I kind of try to focus on what parts of the body are going to be primarily involved there, focus on those primarily, um, and then kind of take it through a very sort of stepwise progression. So if you're going to be back squatting, you know, you do a couple of hip openers, you do upper um, glute, lower back mobility for, well, I'll talk about that in a bit. Um, and then you just start with air squats, and then you go with empty bar squats and things like that. So you kind of you loosen up the relevant muscles and then progressively increase load. And, and Dexy, how do you yeah. approach working out for a, a vigorous high intensity interval training sort of workout? Yeah. I, I like what uh, GI Jeff said about progressively, you know, kind of doing a functional uh, warm up. you know, uh, and as you do the warm up and get more warmed up, you know, depending on what parts of the body you can be focusing on, that, that warm-up should, should be dynamic, but it should be related to those movements, whether it be the hips, you know, the arms, the shoulders, you know, you have to move those joints, get them warm. I think the fascia, um, you know, it's a connective tissue, it's collagen, um, it's, you know, wraps all your muscle fibers and things have to be able to slide after they get warm. When it becomes a slippery tissue that's very mobile, it can move around, that's when you prevent injury of the fascia. Those knots that form that people feel when they go for a massage, for instance, say they got, they got a big knot in their shoulder or their back, you know, they can feel it when they get a massage. You know, those are from tears in the fascia. And that fascia is made, you know, when, when, when you have normal, healthy fascia, the fibers are parallel. And when you injure it, you know, it kind of scars, you know, and you get these adhesions and you get these, you know, um, cross, you know, cross connected fibers that aren't parallel anymore. And that's what those knots are to break those up is, you know, the whole, um, you know, point of these massages and whether it works well or not, you know, there's a lot of science behind, you know, some science says it doesn't work well and some says it does. And we'll talk more about that as Doc Max guiding, you know, through that in the podcast. But I like to say that that warm up I think is critical. I think spending the time before, let's say you're going to go for a jog, you know, we talk about hit, we talk about, you know, resistance training, even for a jog, you know, you have to get those muscles warm, you know, doing things, you know, whether it's static or dynamic, you know, there's a lot of controversy there. I, I got to tell you, in my opinion, I've done both and dynamic stretches work. They really do. I, th I think there's a place for static stretching 
under 30 seconds. I think that a lot of the data shows, you know, if you, you know, do a static stress for over 30 seconds before any kind of a, you know, performance activity, your performance, especially sprinting decreases. Um, I think jumping in, um, I think jumping also decreases, but, you know, there's a lot of data surrounding, you know, which, you know, sports to do static stretching before, which not to. I think until we get a better grasp uh, scientifically of what's good science, you know, we have some meta-analyses now that are coming out that Dr. Mack alluded to, you know, and I think, you know, as we grasp kind of what, what's a better way to do it, I think dynamic warm-ups are key. I think they work. Personal experience-wise, I think they're superior. I, I think they really get your joints, you know, mobile and opened up and, and lubed up in a sense. Uh, you know, all the bodily fluids, synovial fluids starts flowing and things like this. But I think it's just cr- critical to working out. Nobody should work out. If you're getting one thing from this podcast without warming up and, and cooling down too, I believe in that. But the warm-up is critical. Preventing injury getting the most out of your performance. If you're doing, you know, whether you're doing CrossFit like GHF or anything like that, I think it just, it makes you a better athlete and, and, and your fitness will, you know, it will be much, much better in the long run. Yeah, I think uh, I, Dex, I really, uh, I definitely agree with you. I think dynamic warmups are sort of, it's, it's definitely been my practice. I might be getting ahead of ourselves here, Doc Mock. I'm not sure, but I, I think this is a good segue to talk about a couple of accessory tools. Um, in my garage gym, I have four things. I have bands, I have a foam roller, I have a medicine ball, and I have a massage gun. And I use all of them regularly. To what degree I use one versus the other, in part depends a little bit on what I'm doing for that day. I keep a massage ball the size of a rubber ball in my car. When I'm driving to work, I roll out my lower back or my trap or my IT band or whatever happens to be sore that day. So you don't have to dedicate a ton of time to doing this, but you can fold it into your daily routine and it really does pay dividends. Um, Foam rolling, I think is a great way to kind of sort of activate that fascia on the muscles and and help you with the mobility. I absolutely swear by my massage gun. Um, That might be a topic for a separate thing, but I I use it basically every day. But when we talk about dynamic warmups, that basically means sort of just to, I think it maybe would be important to make the distinction between a static and a dynamic warmup, right? So, a static warm-up or stretch is something that you traditionally would have heard in phys ed class when you're in third grade, whatever, when you just stand and you touch your toes or you cross your right leg over your left and then you try to touch, you know. With the difference between that and what would be a dynamic sort of mobility type exercise would be you get, I have a thickened, basically a thickened rubber band, a band. You loop it up and you bring it up across, around your knees. You step into it and you bring it around your knees and then you just kind of step side to side. 10 and then you do it the other side that will open your hips up and loosen and increase that blood flow so so well then that's the kind of stuff that'll get you ready to do an intense workout to squat a heavy load deadlift whatever it is you're doing for that day so these are tools that are simple they're accessible and they're easy to fold into your daily routine and they really really can pay dividends Fantastic. So, so you've heard it from two experts. Blood flow to the thighs is definitely a good thing. Um, but <laughs> furthering that concept, so, you know. Uh, I have a question for GI Jeff. Did he have to register that massage gun, the blaster gun, or whatever he called it? <laughs> Did you have to register that? <laughs> <laughs> I guess you don't need a permit for that. Um, no, you don't need a permit for that one. But I think. Um, <laughs> that sounds good, though. It sounds like it works. Yeah. So, 
your gym teacher was wrong with the static stretching. It looks like, you know, both the experts here do confirm that. But also, if you look at the evidence, there, there's a study from the British Medical Journal in 2002 that showed that static stretching did not uh, neither improve flexibility nor did it cause uh, any protection from injury. And Gurgley in 2013 had a similar study in which they looked at one rep max in the squat and static stretching, in fact, led to lower one rep maxes at the end of the study doing static stretching. So uh, dynamic stretching seems to be king. But, um, you know, you have a bunch of tools at your disposal. The commonality between them is creating this lubrication, breaking up adhesions in that fascia. But looking specifically at one of them, foam rolling, how does foam rolling work? And does the evidence support this as a recovery tool? Dexy? Yeah. So, um, you know, foam rolling, you know, this is something that, you know, I've really uh, worked with quite a bit in my practice. And I got to say, Jerry, Jeff, uh, I laughed when you were talking because I have this basket of stuff over here with bands and balls and all kinds of craziness that my kids are always like, what do you keep this stuff for? And they see me on the floor every day and it's like, what are you doing now? And they kind of, they kind of, you know, start getting used to, you know, seeing me down there. And I think they're going to join in with me pretty soon, but um, uh, you know, Foam rolling, I think the wonderful thing about it, um, even in the past maybe 10 years, we've seen it uh, become something of a tool now for warming up more than for, you know, even stretching after a workout. People used to do it, you know, use it differently. I think it's become a tool now, even as a part of the dynamic warm up, you know, and to get the get that fascia loosened up and warmed up even to help warm it up prior to a workout. And I've, I found better success doing it that way. Um, than any other way. And I think it, the value of it is, is huge. Um, I think if you try it both ways, um, you know, with and without foam rolling, um, it, it'll change you. You have to, and I, I agree with GI Jeff, you don't have to spend a lot of time doing it. I think you, you can do, you know, five minutes, you know, here and there, or, you know, make it a thing where you, you know, do it as a part of your warm up. you know, as a part of, you know, your little warm up routine that you do before you step into any hit or CrossFit or any kind of training or resistance training. Um, but I think there's definite value. I think the science is still way behind. I think we have a lot of work to do. Research-based evidence just isn't there yet. Um, I think there's encouraging meta-analysis data I, I, from what I've read, and I've read a lot on it. Um, I think it's kind of conflicting in some respects, but um, I think static stretching is kind of falling by the wayside a bit. And I, I want to make sure that our listeners know um, you know, it's a complex machine, our body. Um, you know, we, we can't throw out things and just say, oh, you know, you should never static stretch is bad for you. We have to be careful. I think, you know, and this is my point of view and you guys, I hope you can you know comment on this as well. Um, you know, parts of yoga, you know, there's a static hold for some of those, you know, there's, a, there's, you know, good science behind shorter stretches statically even that help. Um, I think the most important thing to get out of this is putting your body through full ranges of motion, pushing, pulling, bending, twisting, you know, using those bands like uh, GI Jeff said to get your hips warmed up and to get those joints warmed up. But I think that um, that's the big take home message really is making sure that you're getting through ranges of motion, full ranges of motion. And if you, the longer you do that in your life, the better you'll be, prevent injury. I, I'm a firm believer in that even without the data yet being conclusive. Um, I think that that is the key to everything, getting that full range of motion and keeping it, you know, and if you sustain an injury or setback, uh, you know, or even a fascial injury, 
you know, how to, how to get that injury, you know, taken care of, you know, without ice and the proper way to do it, you know, you know, including things like foam rolling in your routine. I think these are all very beneficial. We live in a great time you know, the science is catching up, um, you know, find what works too for you. You know, yoga might be something that you can do a few times a week that'll really transform you. Um, a, a warm up that you just add foam rolling to might be a thing that, you know, something you can use. So try these things. They're, they're all, you know, can be very extremely beneficial. I'm a big believer. Doc Mark. Yeah, I, I think that you hit on a lot of really important points regarding, you know, static versus dynamic stretching. Um, and it definitely is the key to longevity. You know, if, if uh, the listeners out there haven't done so, click on podcast one. We also talk about the benefit of light versus heavy weightlifting um, for longevity and that you can perform equally as well in both. And the science shows that. GI Jeff, do you have any parting thoughts? regarding mobility training? Well, sure. This is a really important thing to do. If you, if you start with the assumption that fitness is important to you, then you should acknowledge the fact that being able to do it for as long as you possibly can is equally as important. And I think when we talk about the longevity of being fit and healthy and staying physically active, then this is an integral part of it. I think that traditionally my sense is that a lot of people would shy away from it because they think it would either take away from their workout or require too much time. And I think both of those are a little bit misleading. So you can do things quickly, efficiently, and in a focused way to really augment your workout and the benefit that you're going to get, prevent injury, and allow you to do this over the long term. So I think what I would encourage you to do is explore a couple of options. And again, I've, I told you beforehand, these are simple, cheap, easy tools. Well, the massage guns aren't cheap, but they're worth it. Um, <laughs> that, that are pretty easy to get to, to yeah. get and you know keep around. So find something that, that works good for you and really fold into your routine. You know, uh, and and this is really going to allow you to continue doing what you're doing. I've I've been doing CrossFit, which is intense. And believe me, you know, I talked about it's kind of scaling back on the weights over time. Don't get me wrong there are plenty of days where I like to load the barbell up and I still get after it, even at 40 years old. But what I'm telling you is this, I'm able to do that. And I think part of the reason that I am able to do this is because I've acknowledged the fact that, yay, I am human and I am susceptible to injury and I have to do everything I can to minimize those chances. So, you know, find something that works for you and stick to it. Um, and this is really going to be uh, something very helpful and useful in the long term. Agree? Totally agree. Absolutely. Can I can I say one more thing, Doc Mac, before we Absolutely. go? Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, I think in, in all, all, all of a sudden, there was a great um, point, a lot of great points you made there, GI Jeff, and I, I really like what you're saying there. Um, and I just want to add to it that, you know, we talk about recovery, uh, prevention, you know, as it relates to static stretching, dynamic stretching, foam rolling, you know, all these things. I think an important part of the equation um, for any joint in the body um, imagine it, I, and I always try to think of it this way, um, you know, as human beings, we do things repetitive, repetitively, M many of us do, you know, many athletes, you know, do a golf swing their whole life to get good at it, or baseball players do repetitive things to get good at what they do, or a football player, or a soccer player, you know, or in daily life, you know, we have jobs that requ require repetitive motion, holding a uh, GI scope, right? So your ergonomics, you know, every day you're, you're get a certain body position, right? So um, I, I think the thing to remember is misalignment can occur 
with, with any long-term activity, you know, and, you know, we can talk about varying activities and we can talk about, you know, doing different exercises and doing resistance training versus endurance training and mixing up your workouts and all that's great. Um, I, I think dysfunctional joints, when they happen, um, we get pain. Our body warns us because something's not aligned properly. And I think that a lot of the problem begins with that joint dysfunction occurs because the muscles that should be moving that joint through the range of motion become weak and other compensatory muscles take over because the body will always fight to try to make you do that motion. It'll try, it'll help you do it. Um, a good one is example of your, your hips and GI Jeff mentioned the hips. And I think of all the joints in the body, maybe the hips are arguably the most important. Um, you know, our body's centered around our core and our lower back and our hips, right? So I think when you talk about your hips, you have to talk about, you know, are those muscles as you age or in getting your 30s and you have a sedentary job or you're driving to work more and not, not as active, are, are those muscles that should be controlling the hip joints, are they getting weaker? You get things like high hamstring tendinopathy and these problems that runners get and these long-term chronic injuries. Don't lose hope. Um, there, there are YouTube has democratized therapy. You can look up things, and I love that GI Jeff said that. Um, you know, you you type in high hamstring tendinopathy, for instance, and you can find excellent strengthening exercises for your hips to get those muscles working the way they should functionally again. You know that dysfunction. You can make it better. Yoga is excellent. There, are, there are millions of ways to do these things the correct way to get those muscles strong, keep them strong. So that's something to keep in mind. You know, it's not a stretch that's going to make that pain go away because your hamstrings feel tight up top. It might not be tight hamstrings that are the problem. That's a secondary problem. The the primary problem is the weakness in the hip joint. So these are things we can think about. And, and when we talk about mobility, great talk today, guys. Wonderful. I learned a lot from you. I appreciate yeah. it. So, so think of mobility training as a small investment, you know, putting away a little tiny bit of money, in your lifelong fitness account every day. If you want to learn more about mobility, we do have an article on that at maximalbeing.com. Hit the search bar and you can type in mobility. It will pop up. Also, if you want to watch, uh, watch a video that Sharif Ultrafit and RM Grimm have put together, which are two really easy AM stretches you can do every day to improve your back pain. We're going to break uh, for a brief commercial visit and we'll come back with listener mail. What's going on, Maximal Beings? It's Doc Mock here. Many of you are returning to the gym now, but some are not going back. Regardless of what you plan, Rogue has got the right gear to fit your needs. I personally own a barbell set and love it. The black op shorts are sweat resistant and flexible for getting deep in your squats. Head on over to MaximalBeing.com Rogue for our referral link. Order three items and they ship for free. And as usual... It's Doc Mock, and I'm here to maximize your pathway to wellness. Are you tired of not being able to pronounce what your protein bar is made of? Is your snack a candy bar in disguise loaded with sugar? Well, I have a solution for you, Maximal Beings. RX Bars are the no-nonsense, delicious option for on-the-go macro maximization. I love the pumpkin spice option available for a limited time only. As one of our listeners, you get wholesale prices and orders of $50 ship for free. Send us an email at team at maximalbeam.com for more information. All right, and we're back. Um, 
The first piece of listener mail comes from Rob Key 346 and Rob Key says, how do you stay hydrated around and during exercise? GI Jeff, how do you stay hydrated sweating in the CrossFit gym? I think the first qualified answer out. Yeah, exactly. I'm drinking a huge 32 ounce <laughs> thing of water. Cause I just worked out. <laughs> I, <about saw>. <laughs> um, I think the first thing I would actually sort of question back would be what kind of workout are you doing? Okay, if you're doing a relatively sort of anaerobic, low intensity, maybe like machines, biceps, whatever, you can drink while you're working out. I think if you're really going to get after it, if you're going to do a HIIT workout, if you're going to do a CrossFit workout, you kind of don't want a belly full of fluid at that time. So I would caution you to not do much during the workout per se, or even that much beforehand. Um, There's a workout in the CrossFit community called Barbara, and it's a bunch of rounds of essentially pull-ups, push-ups, sit-ups, and squats. But after each round, you rest for three minutes. And the rookie mistake is that people just chug water during that three-minute rest. And I cannot tell you how many times I've seen people throw up. So (laughs) that's kind of a long-winded answer to say it depends on what you're doing. I generally prefer to have just a little bit of hydration in my system with just straight-up water before the workout, kind of just work out, and then afterwards I just – stick to large volumes of water. Um, There are a couple of sort of rehydration solutions that have a little bit of glucose in it because glucose is the first thing that gets used up when you go through an intense workout uh, and you can replenish the glucose and any electrolytes that are left in sweat. So after a particularly intense workout, on a hot day especially, I'll get like one of those kind of liquid IV bags or whatever, an electrolyte replacement, dissolve that in water and kind of chug that. But I personally, and it's just more of the style of workouts that I do save all of my hydration for afterwards. And I just hydrate aggressively because you have a lot of fluid losses there. If you're doing it right. Dixie. Fantastic. I love this question from Rob key. I don't remember the number after his name, but great, great question. I think it's something that uh, we often neglect, especially I feel like younger athletes uh, hydration is so important. I can't emphasize it enough. All your bodily mechanisms, all the things cellularly that happen, have to have water. So it's, it's paramount. I like what GI Jeff said. And I think, um, you know, it's interesting to hear, you know, CrossFitters, you know, how they think of these things too, because of the, you know, dynamic of their, you know, exercises and, you know, kind of the timing of things. Um, um, for me, um, I think I, I concentrate on two things when I think about hydration, the color of your urine and how frequently you go during the day. And I think, you know, as doctors, they'll both definitely agree with that. Um, I think that if you prehydrate, GI Jeff nailed it. You know, if you're doing a right, if you're chugging water during and right before, you're, you're late to the game. Um, two hours before is my rule. I drink a lot of water during the day. If I know I'm going to have a big workout in the morning or late in the day, the night before, I'll drink a lot before I go to bed, hours before. Prehydrate, really get that in the system. And it's amazing how much better you feel when you work out. I, I guarantee you your performance suffers when you're dehydrated. There is no question. Um, if, you, if you monitor your heart rate, and I, you know, I work out with a heart rate monitor, uh, your heart will never lie to you. Um, you will be more tachycardic. You know, your heart rate zones will be higher. You know, your body won't lie to you. So that's number one. Um, I think that uh, he mentioned um, if you're working out in extremes of heat, very important. It's even more important to really make sure you got your hydration down. Cold weather, high altitude, same thing. Um, when you, you know, um, just breathing 
you know, in the cold air, you will lose more water. And this is all scientifically based. You know, we all know this for, we've known this for a long time, you know, hydration becomes important in those um, elements too. So great question, Rapki. I'm really impressed that people think about these things out there. I think it's very important. Yeah. I also wanted to point out one very important thing that nobody has said. It's that but neither one of our experts here has mentioned a sports drink as a means for hydration. Yeah. You go on any blog, go ahead and Google water versus whatever sports drink name, and you will find tons of bro junk science, most of which was funded actually by the sports drink companies. There is no difference in hydration between those two solutions. As long as you are hydrating and you're eating good, real food that is variable in terms of its content, you will get enough of those blood salts or electrolytes, as the sports drinks companies have termed them, um, in your blood that you need for recovery and you need to fuel your, your cellular processes. The American Society for Nutrition recommends six to eight glasses of water or weight-based hydration. You do not need to do it based upon that. If you're thirsty, your body is perfectly capable of telling you through very complicated physiologic mechanisms that you need to put water in it. And it is very capable of telling you that you have enough or too little of it out with your urine. So as long as you're making urine, um, you are hydrated. As long as you're thirsty, drink water. On to our next question um, by Kay Connolly, 82, and she asks, is eating yogurt every day enough of a probiotic? I think I'm going to head this on over to GI Jeff to start as another GI doctor. Good one. I love this question because it kind of focuses a little bit on what, I mean, I know, Doc Mock, you like to do a lot of this stuff with your patients. I love to talk about this stuff with my patients. A couple of things. Be careful with yogurt. Depending on what you're getting, there's probably a lot of added sugar in there. Um, the second thing is this. Yogurt is, by and large in this country, pasteurized, which will probably get ultimately lead to not the same types of probiotics going into your system that you think you're getting. When we talk about probiotics and the gut, it's a just booming area of research and one of real personal interest to me. The truth is with proper diet, you can really well manipulate the microbiome of your gut. Specifically when it comes to probiotics, there are sometimes some indications to do it. What I usually do is look through it at the lens of it's not going to hurt you. However, I see people taking probiotic supplements, capsules that they buy, often at pretty good cost indefinitely for very questionable benefit. So what I tell people is this, if you're going to get a probiotic, get something generic, don't take it forever, give it a college try. You can take it in supplemental capsule form. I don't personally recommend probiotic enriched yogurt to my patients because you really don't know what you're getting. There's obviously no substitute for the health of the gut microbiome from a proper diet. And that's a loaded question. That's probably a topic of a completely different podcast. So proper diet, organic foods, non-GMOs, all that kind of fun stuff. That's the right way to do it. If you want a supplemental probiotic, be careful what you're getting. These things are not FDA regulated. So, you know, it's hard to control for these things. Bottom line, they're not going to hurt you, but they're also maybe not going to help you either. And you're not always positive what you're getting. I wouldn't recommend getting it through yogurt. If you're going to take a capsule, take it, but do it in a limited fashion. Bexie, any additions to that? 
I think it's wonderful. Um, you know, we live in a great time. I love what you guys do with your patients. I, I, I hear over here, uh, over here, Doc Mock talking to his patients about gut health. And um, I have to say, you know, it seems like we're headed towards a, you know, knowledge base about gut health that we've never even approached before and how it affects all the bodily systems from heart disease to, you know, blood vessels to everything, you know, even your brain cognition. Um, I think that, um, you know, I don't trust supplements. I'm, I'm a big believer in diet first, always, always, always. People have food aversions, they have allergies. You can work with your diet and I believe get everything that you need. There are certain supplements that possibly are warranted. Um, I've never taken a probiotic. I, I feel um, that you know you have to watch out with them. I don't know enough about which probiotics are good. I feel like what you get from Whole Foods is probably the things that make me feel the best, and especially the you know the ones that you know definitely enhance your microbiome. You know, cabbages, you know, kimchi, things like that. Um, I think they make me feel the best. I, I think pasteurized yogurt, you know, like um, GI Jeff said, you know, you have to know what you're getting and know that these foods that have been at all processed and that's essentially a processed food. Um, I think you really have to watch out on, on sugars. Um, there are excellent choices now with low amount of sugars and a lot of the um, yogurts that you can buy out there. And, you know, we live in a time that's, you know, definitely headed in the right direction, but you still have to watch out for sugar intake. And as you guys both know, probably a lot better than I do, you know, um, you know, sugars are a microbiome killer, you know, especially refined, you know, food sugars and things like that. But um, I think doing the whole foods and doing, you know, a, a good diet is just key for me, you know, and choose a good yogurt. If you're going to, you know, if you, if you want the benefits of a good yogurt, make sure it's low in sugar and not um, processed, you know, that's a big key element for me. Yeah, I think uh, key things to look for are number one, you want fat to be in your yogurt. Yogurt naturally has fats in it. Those fats will lend some nutritional benefit to you. The zero yogurts are just, you know, health health ploys. Um, so the more natural, the better. Um, also, if you do about a 2% fat content, a lot of these yogurts will have 15 to 20 grams of protein. So it's like kind of a superfood. Um, the two bacteria that you want to look for are strains are lactobacillus and bacteroidetes. These are the two main components to a good probiotic, whatever it is. Um, and if you can get Saccharomyces, which is a type of brewer's yeast added into that, that's just like a, a great, um, you know, probiotic. Probiotics in general, there, uh, as GI Jeff had mentioned, there's a lot of terrible science. Most of the studies show no better than placebo. If it helps you, great. It may only hurt your wallet. It's not really going to hurt you as a person necessarily. With one caveat, there is something called the Herxheimer reaction that does occur when you're first introducing good bacteria. And it's essentially the good bacteria are evicting the bad bacteria from their houses. And those bad bacteria get pissed off at you. Um, so you can feel like you have the flu. You can have vomiting. You can have diarrhea. Um, so the important thing is to tread lightly, know your body. If you get some sort of a Herxheimer reaction, just back off and then lower the dose and then continue to titrate upward. Be scientific about it. And yes, watch for hidden sugars because a lot of these things with added fruits and all kinds of stuff contain garbage. If you want a little sweetness, add your own sweetener to it or, or fruits that in a natural form. Natural is better. 
So I think that wraps up our podcast. It has been a pleasure, gentlemen, to speak with you both as always. Um, I, I look forward to our next conversation. You know, the podcast continues to take off. Dexy, you have a website that, that's coming along. Tell people yeah. where they can find you. Yeah, thank you, Doc Mac. So the pursuitofhealthy.com, it's something that I'm working on right now. Not quite up yet, but it will be, and hopefully pretty soon. Um, a lot of content that I'm preparing for it. Um, we'll talk about a lot of great things and uh, hopefully cross-pollinate with Doc Mock and Max being here. Love what you're doing. Um, I, I, love, I have a lot of the same ideas, but uh, maybe a, a slightly different perspective, um, which I think can help you know, either some of the same people or even many other people, hopefully, that we can all you know, reach out to. Um, I'll concentrate on the four pillars that I uh, think are you know, the foundation for good health and wellness. And um, I got a lot of exciting stuff I want to share. So I'm really excited about it. And I really appreciate you mentioning it, uh, Doc Mack. G.I. Jeff, pleasure today. Finally, great things, man. I learned a lot from you today. Really appreciate you. you. If you want to talk to these gentlemen, send us questions. We're always uh, excited to answer your listener mail online. And um, you can also send us a a voicemail via the SpeakPipe. Head on over to MaximalBeam.com slash contact. If you want a custom fitness, nutrition, or gut health plan, head on over to our store. And as always, I'm Doc Mock here with GI Jeff and Dexy, and we are here to maximize your pathway to wellness. Do us a favor, Maximal Beings, and leave us a comment or review. Hit the subscribe button and let your friends and family know so that we can get the word out. And until next time, this is Doc Mock, and I'm here to maximize your pathway to wellness. Hot Health.